Life Audio. Today on Talk About That, John deals with a shady music producer and fights for his right to haggle over the price of a car. Meanwhile, I get robbed and tell the story of the time America launched a vomiting senator into space. Plus a conversation on the decline of civility in politics and the dangers of tribalism. Today's episode is not sponsored by Etch-A-Sketch, the absolute best tool on the market for drawing stairs. But first, a word from our actual sponsor. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Sometimes you gotta go away so that they can miss you. Johnny, we're back. Let's talk about that. They hate seeing us go, but they love watching us leave. Nobody loves watching us leave. I don't think that's ever been true. You ever said that to your wife? Hey, baby. That, I hate seeing you go, but I love watching you leave. Yeah. Maybe, but only as a joke. Well, of course it's a joke. I wouldn't. Do like, you say anything to your wife that's not a joke? <sighs> Probably not. <laughs> I mean, I really do love watching her leave, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I would never say it like I'm like this will be a great line. This will. This will go somewhere. Lines in marriage don't exist. I mean, there's no lines. That's true. I mean, like it's except for. But humor. that's the whole thing of like when you do these marriage conferences, always like never stop dating, never stop. But you have to eventually like get comfortable and like there's a there's a piece in that that's okay. Yeah, I think you don't want to take for granted, but you also don't want to be like I got to be on all the time, right? Or she'll stop loving me. Like that's that's hell. Like, who would want that? Yeah. Remember we had a mutual friend who during the dating years, I'm not gonna say who it is, mm-hmm. but they were avid listeners. Yeah. And I mean this dude. Did everything imaginable. Right. I mean, like, I don't know, he'd release a flock of doves with something attached to it and take her up on a hot air balloon. I mean, yeah. like, just so much stuff. And I remember telling him, like, listen. You're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. How are you going to continue? Like, yeah. does she know when marriage happens? Like, I mean, once, right. once you're a decade in, uh-huh. you're out of doves, bro. You're you know out of saying? doves. That's your marriage book. That's my book right I'm there. I'm all out of doves. All out of doves. <laughs> <laughs> the marriage guide to giving up. <laughs> John Driver. Can I ghostwrite that one? Sure, with Johnny Depp. Can I collaborate? That'd be great. I one time want I think I could collaborate because I could punch up, but I don't want to be the own... I want you to come with thousands of words so I can be like, way too many words. Here's some funny ones, and then we write a book. I think that's the opposite. I think that means I collaborate. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. The collaborator has to do the actual writing. I want most of the money. Well, that's... That sounds about right. Okay. <laughs> can I, yes, you want to be the author. Can I do the least amount of work and get the most <laughs> amount of money? I think that, uh, you know, you and I have never tried the identity. We're both scared of yeah. what a book what, what together would, it do would be. To, it's like when people are friends and they're afraid to get into like a romantic relationship. Yeah. Like this a book, is the equivalent of that for a us. A business deal 
right. with friends where you're collaborating on something creative. We've collaborated on creative things before, but it's like for church. Or the podcast, the pressure, which makes absolutely – Right. That's not – Right. I wouldn't call it creative. I wouldn't call it lucrative. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call it a project. I would call it – what would I call it? Anyway. A distraction. What do you call it? What do you call it, listener? But uh, – yeah, there's a thing of like you're crossing a threshold. It's like when you loan money to a friend. Yeah, which, by the way, I'm going to need that back. Yeah, sorry about that. This is weird that I brought I've it up. I've told my wife before, yeah. for real, that I think the one guy I could do those kinds of things with would be you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because we're just – we're very upfront. Yeah. We're honest with each other. And we'd rather each other do better than the other. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Wow. This is a big moment for us. It is. You're making me weep <laughs> on the air here. I don't like that. Well, I do believe if friends have to go into business, it's important to have mm-hmm. paperwork. You would think you'd want you think you want you want some documentation. Well, you think you want less of it, but I did learn this even through my agent. Everyone else, like, actually, if you want to preserve relationships, do more of it so that all the boundaries. Yeah. No one has to ever wonder. There's no awkward conversations. Just make sure it's all up front. You're uh, saying you want a prenup with me. Johnny, I have a contract right here. You're like, we're getting into this. I already know eight ways it can go south. <laughs> here is. Press hard when you sign. You're making six copies. You're making The goldenrod gold. copy is yours. Right. Remember goldenrod? I don't remember goldenrod. Goldenrod is like when you did the old carbon copies. Uh-huh. There'd be the pink, the white, and then that weird uh, gold-colored one, which is the goldenrod-colored copy they'd be like the goldenrod one is yours is goldenrod a color yeah it's like a okay. color so like uh they, they used to be an old thing like when you do the carbon copy you're like when you're like the first mortgage i signed oh. was one of those and it was you press hard and you're and they tear off a thing and uh-huh. they, yeah i don't know what they do now it's a lot of digital on an ipad it is i've had a few refis and closings and stuff and it's Have like you you seem like a wheeler and dealer boy it's huge uh that just <laughs> real estate tycoon over here <laughs> Yes, refis are very, uh, it's a big deal. Yeah, it means you're doing great. Right. It, it, <laughs> it like, means everything. Can you great. get me a lower rate and <laughs> a lower you? payment, please? <laughs> I can't afford this anymore. Um, it's a lot of, you still have to go to a table often. Yeah. I've done both. I've had it where they come to your house yes. and you sign. And I've had some, like, if you refi an existing thing with the same bank or whatever, like, you just literally do it online. But then yeah. occasionally they st- you still go to the title company building and sit down. It'd be and- weird to go to refi a house and you go to their house to sign the documentation and then the house is in disarray. Would right. that be a weird turnoff to the bank? Do you they're clean like, the house Whoa. more whenever they're coming for right. a loan on the house? My buddy used to say that to me, an older guy who was a really wise person in my life. And he was giving me all kinds of tidbits when I was in my 20s. And one of the things he said was, you wear your nicest outfit when you're going to get a loan. And when you're meeting with the IRS, you wear your worst outfit. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, "Those are the same outfit. I don't have a lot of outfits. <laughs> I have t-shirt and jeans, yeah. and it's going to have to do for both." Yeah, when we went, we had to get rid of our old car. It was two thousand two. Yeah, and we were actually going to a dealership for the first time in like twenty years. Mm-hmm. And I really debated. Yeah, do I dress like someone who needs this, or right. someone who like I'm a good risk for you? Yeah. I'm a healthy risk. I got a suit. Yeah. I own a blazer. Like, it doesn't mean anything. You can get a blazer for 80 bucks at Sears. You can go to Goodwill and get one for 8 bucks. There you go. You know what I'm saying? Which is what I did. But, you know, it's just interesting because I don't, I don't remember what I did. I don't have a nice suit. I need to think about that because, like, a tailored suit. Like, I've been pretty – my weight's been pretty – like, I'm always afraid of the weight fluctuations right. in my life. Like, right. now when you watch my clips, if, you, if anybody's a fan of my comedy and you watch my clips – 
you don't know what size I'm going to be in these clips because they're from all different be, yeah. eras. I'm like Oprah. You don't know what I'm going to come out as. Right. I'm just I'm gelatinous. I'm like grimace. I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen. So uh, <laughs> it makes me wary of buying like a five hundred dollar suit, a thousand dollar suit that's tailor made because like I kind of fluctuate ten or fifteen pounds or sometimes eighty. <laughs> so. I don't want to have that big asset in my closet reminding me, hey, remember when you were this size? Yeah. Bigs? But I do need to get one because, like, I've done a couple of little TV appearances or, like, uh, things where, uh, oh, this is going to be on tape forever. Or you're doing a special taping. And you want to throw on, like, a blazer, and I'm wearing the whatever, my J.C. Penney's But you don't want a suit for fall those. Collection. You're, you're a comedian. Like, a suit? Maybe I Jimmy like a, Fallon wears a suit. I like a suit coat, though, with dressy jeans and, like, maybe yeah. a sweater underneath or a uh, just a regular shirt. Not a button-up, yeah. even. Because I like – here's the thing. I do a lot of churches. I think that the blazer gives me a little bit more credibility. Because you're standing in a pulpit. It's easier – it's hard to forget that. It's hard to remember that. Like, sometimes, like, people don't understand, like – if I do a show in a theater, it's a different mindset. Yeah. If I'm doing a church, even though it, everybody knows it's not a church service, I'm standing where your pastor stands when he preaches. Right. So if I'm wearing a blazer, I can A, it's more credibility, and B, I found that I can be meaner. <laughs> because with, it's like, well, he's wearing it. a... Right, what are we going to do? Right. He's wearing a blazer. <laughs> it's the same mindset. It doesn't make any sense, but it's still like you can get, you can be a little edgier that while wearing funny. a blazer. That's very funny. Same guy says that thing in a t-shirt, like, this guy's a clown. Okay, by the way, when you said that, I okay. have to know the etymology of the word pulpit. Didn't you want to, have you ever thought about pulpit. it? Pulpit. Um, yeah. Let's see here. It's where they stood to pull the pits out of cherries and peaches. <laughs> From early 14th century, late Latin pulpitum. Oh, man. A raised structure on which preachers stand. In classical Latin, scaffold stage platform for actors, a word of unknown origin. Also barred a middle high German as pulpit. German, pult is desk. Um, sense of Christian preachers and ministers generally is from 1560s. So there you go. That's what it So happens. it used to be just for any stage. Right. So even an actor stand, would stand at a pulpit. Yeah. But now it's, it's, it's become associated with religious Pulpitum. speaking. Yeah, pulpitum, a raised structure which preachers. I was stand. hoping it would have something with pulling pits. Yeah, I was. Th- I was wondering you're if you're pulling people out of the pits of hell. Come on, man. What? That's not. That's what, it what was, I would. But, but that's, that's what, where it would have been. I stand in this pulpit and I pull you out of the pit. I bet you that's been used, probably a hundred times. There's over. your book idea. Speaking of car dealerships, we're spinning yarns over no, here. We, we got. We're this. doing this today, man. We're ready. All Speaking right. of car dealerships, though, yeah, this particular car dealership and others, I noticed they advertise mm-hmm. no haggle pricing. Like that's supposed to be good. And it looks great. Like, hey, no pres- haggle pricing. pressure's off. You're and like, no. That means I can't negotiate. That's all that Haggling means. Haggling helps the customer. Right. I want to say, no, I want to spend this amount of money. That's already our lowest price. Congratulations. And you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> There's got to be a way. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of what the church equivalent of that would be. Yeah. Like, you know. Uh, I don't know. Like, you're trying to make somebody feel better, but it's actually worse. Right. Like, we, <laughs> we have a... We take 12% tithe. <laughs> Don't worry about it. No haggle tithing. No haggle tithing. <laughs> Churchofpleasantgrove.com. Um, the views expressed do not necessarily like <laughs> <laughs> Life audio or its conglomerates. Speaking of, this will be a great moment to stop and hear from some of our sponsors who oh, nice. are uh, associated with Life audio. So let's take a listen. 
And we're back, Johnny. Wasn't that refreshing? I tell you, I like that time every time. I, to me, it's like the Super Bowl. I, I listen for the ads. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all know we can't hear the ads right now. No. Uh, and speaking of, did you know that you don't have to hear the ads? Oh, is that right? Yeah. How do you do that? Well, if you uh, become a patron of the podcast, oh, okay, then you get an ad-free version. We send you a link with ad-free versions, and uh, that's that's it. That's beautiful. You can find that at talkaboutthatpodcast.com. Yeah. We love our listeners. Yeah. Appreciate our patrons. We do. For sporting every month. So Yeah. yeah. Uh, we just uh, sent free gifts to our patrons. We, we need did. to set up a Zoom call, another like a meet and greet. Yeah, I'm, it's been I'm, a while since we've done one of those. I'm you like, think people will come? I'm always afraid we set it up and then what if nobody makes yeah. time for it? They're like, no, we're good. We like this being a one-way. Right. People say they want I don't want to see you in a box. People say, I always yell at the podcast the whole time because it's like, yeah. I want to talk with you guys. But it's like, but once that conversation is over and we're just now talking in a different conversation, you wouldn't just start yelling. I would love it if they would save all that stuff up and be like, here's 10 times you were wrong. But they have to write stuff down. We need to make that one of our videos that we release, like 10 things we were totally wrong about. Just sh- It shows a little you know, humility on our part. I would, have, I would amend that a little bit and say 10 things that Johnny was totally wrong about. Okay. Um, I accept that. I can't think of 10 for me. Right. I mean, like three things John was wrong about. 15 <laughs> things. I'm just kidding. Yeah. A total of 18 things. Eighteen things. Eighteen's a nice round number. Mm-hmm. So, what is uh, a round number? <sighs> Don't say zero. And maybe it's got a, a zero on the end of it. Is that why? Is that oh, where like that came from? A nice round. Like a, you round up to a whole number. Man, that's what they mean. Maybe that's what they mean. A nice whole number. You pull it out of the pit. <laughs> <sighs> that's the thing. I always want you. Always want to do. Y'all. I always imagine adulthood would be a lot of meeting across tables and writing numbers on papers and sliding those over to other people. Yeah. And being like. What about this? How does this, does this get us close? Right. And then the guy goes, Whew, and then he has to, somebody's whispering in his ear. Can we have the room for I've never had that meeting. Yeah, I've never, I've never. Even in that. my entertainment career, no one's there. They just go, look, this is what we have. Take it. Or, That's what I wanted with the car. Hey, maybe sell some more tickets, fatty. That's, <laughs> they that went, was hurtful. They went too far. Why maybe would they? Why don't you buy a suit there, Biggs? Yeah. Is that what they said? Maybe. I can't believe it. They sell those in like a stretchy uh, fabric there, sir? Uh, That's fine. Yeah. They make those, by the way. That's what I would have to get. They they sell these suits now that are like, uh, you know, the whole athleisure culture that we have now. Right. So now people want to wear jeans that feel like pajamas, which we have. We both have. You got your jeans, but we know that they're, they got a little. They're a little stretchy. They're not a little stretchy. Listen. I could karate kick the ceiling in these things and not split them. <laughs> I mean, I can because I'd split my hamstrings, but you know what I mean? Right. So I can do whatever I want in these jeans, and I like it. But they, they look like jeans, but they feel like pajamas. Now it's spread yeah. to other areas of our culture where people want a suit that they can move in. Yeah. They can, they can whatever. They yeah. can do Dancing with the Stars in it. For me, I like that because I uh, strum the guitar, and I need to be able to have a little bit of range yeah, of motion need, on stage. you need an stage. elastic sport coat. Yes. But I tried on one of these mm. at a Penny's or something the other day. I was like, oh, it's so heavy. What? The material does not – If maybe I was just getting the wrong one. It felt like I was putting Johnny, on – Johnny, that was a trench coat. It felt like I was putting on a, a diving suit. Johnny, there was somebody in that coat when you put it on. It was so – I forgot to ask. Yeah. Anybody in I knocked on the, the front lapel. <laughs> it had a mannequin. Anybody home? You wore a mannequin. Sorry, it felt like – it did not breathe the way that I hoped it would. I'm not going to say what brand because they might be a sponsor. Oh. Uh, but it was 
uh, it was not great. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I, I feel like when something doesn't work for me clothing-wise, it's probably user error because I'm so... How do you use a coat wrong? That's what I'm saying. Like, people who know fashion would go, no, no, you're wrong. This, yeah. is, this is actually comfortable. And I'd be like, oh, okay. And then over time, I would change my standards. Yeah. But see... What's well, like when the, the dry fit first came out and was like, this wicks moisture. But it it's really stinks. like... It does. And it's also like, it's a plastic shirt. Yeah. You know, it's made of petroleum products. You're wear- it doesn't feel like a cotton shirt. It's not super duper comfortable. Yeah, the but it supposedly moisture, dries faster. It doesn't hold all the moisture in. When that first came out, we had kids who'd wear like these, again, these these really tight, these guys that come like, the, like they'd just been working. The Under Armour, yeah. Yeah, and the smell. Because mm-hmm. it's wicking all their sweat away all the time. Oh, you're saying it's pulling sweat yes. from you, even if you're not sweating. Like, I want okay. to wick moisture in, not out. I, my body wicks right. moisture. <laughs> That's the point. Like The moisture that comes out of a body doesn't smell good. Right. So that's why we have deodorant and antiperspirant. Yes. So, like, maybe we need an inward wicking shirt to keep the smell in. Yeah. What do you think? I, I think, think I just made a thing. When you're burning the candle at both ends, try the new inward wicking. <laughs> new from St. John's Bay. St. <laughs> John's Bay is like, I think it's a Sears or Penny's brand. I used to buy those because they made, like, shirts for fat guys that didn't feel like fat guy clothes like a polo shirt that had a little extra room hmm. and uh i just remember thinking like i wonder if st john's bay is a real is it a real place that's a great question there's no way to know this is just like where they make the po- it's just a, the name of the sweatshop where the polos are being made it always bothers me whenever things don't have a real yeah. origin uh-huh like just a cool sounding name and again we talk about band names so many times but someone just comes up with a cool sounding name and there's no real well, it happened to us. They tried to rename our band. Yeah. The producer. He was like, we were like, what about this? And he was like, hold on, I got one for you. Ark Eden. And then you, trying to be very diplomatic, you go, okay, tell me, uh, tell me, like, where'd, where'd you come up with that? And he goes, well, you know, like in the Bible, there's the Ark, like Noah's Ark, and then also Eden. Eden. Guys, I kid you not, that's exactly, I don't think he gave it as much explanation as you just did. And I then, think he literally you said, go, you know, in the Bible, Ark. So he just took two Bible words and slammed them together. We're trying to come up with a new name. The reason we did that, by the way, is because the internet's fresh. But I think we did some kind of weird Ask Jeeves search in the early <laughs> days. AOL. Yeah. To see, like, I bet you there's other people with our band name. Or we heard about somebody through the grapevine. And there were, there were a lot more of our band name. So I was like, Oh no, we got to change our name. So this producer trying to be helpful was unhelpful. Mm. But Ark Eden, if you're out there, maybe Ark Eden did become, maybe he, maybe he went on, he foisted it onto somebody else. They were like, that sounds great. I like it. I always want to know to the detriment. In fact, Sadie this morning on the way to school, we listened to a deep cut old school country Taylor Swift song. Okay. That one of her friends likes. She goes, yeah, my friend likes this one. I'd never heard it. And, you could tell the production was much lesser, you know, yeah. than where she is today. But it had a a strong idea. Uh, I mean, it was, it was it was called Mean. I'm assuming it was called Mean. It was basically like, you know, someday I'm going to be living in a big city, yeah, and you'll still just be mean because it's, it's talking to your oh, haters. Right. You know? Okay, that's that's what you're going to be someday. Just still this pathetic, you know, kind of mean person. And um, I kind of thought it was catchy, and you know, yeah, you know, and we got to the end, but. If the content is good and I like the rhyming and the word schemes and all yeah. those things, then 
I see its value. But there are some who are so purist about music. Right. You know, like our friend Dane, who's got just this brilliant, you know, almost um, savant type understanding of music. Like if, if the music wasn't up to par, I yeah. think he would struggle yeah. to enjoy a song. Right. He's always can, in analysis mode. It's which, hard to turn it off. You know, I'm that way with comedy sometimes. There's where a, I can't just sit back and enjoy it. I'm looking at it like a mathematician. Right. It's hard. Yeah. Remember the old Rich Mullins song that he wrote before he died, but he never recorded it, uh, called uh, Hard to Get? Yes. And I didn't know that song. Mm-hmm. And I discovered it, I don't know, probably six months ago, which I know has been around a long, long time, but they released a demo version mm-hmm. after he died. Now, the, an artist, his friend, recorded it. Yeah. I, I don't like the recording but literally when i say it's a demo it's him with a walkman a tape deck right you can hear him you can just hear hit him. record and play at yeah. the same time it's got the all the hiss yep you can hear him pushing the button right it's just him with an acoustic playing it start to finish and i listen to that song mm-hmm. uh you are you live in heaven hear the prayers of those of us who live on earth and it's this whole like um Basically, do you even notice, or did you know? <laughs> do you remember what it what it was like down here where we all scrape? And and he goes through just it's this very honest, like yeah, gut wrenching, honest lament to God right. of Are you even paying attention? <laughs> you know, we're down here doing this. I memorized every word you said. Like you know, it's like I'm going after this, and you're just up there playing hard to get. And the, you get to the bridge, it's just like the, my favorite line. Uh, I actually was praying this week, and this line really kind of came to me. It was like. Um, basically I'd never felt so lost uh, but maybe now I'm lost enough to let myself be led mm-hmm. you know maybe this is that maybe this is that moment I'm actually lost enough to let myself be led but I tried to get Laura or somebody around me to listen to it yeah 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 they can't do it and, right. and, and I it's too understand raw. yeah it's, it's too so raw. raw but like the content always comes through for me I'm, I'm a words guy yeah that makes sense you know I want a good vocal there's no doubt right. but if you just got a killer song, I mean, I can probably listen to it in any format. Yeah, I wish I had a song to sing right now. I'm sorry. I like a song to sing. You like me to sing a song for you? I we talk about names and like you can. I, I, I really do wonder now if he was able to that producer foisted that name onto some up upstart Christian band that had no idea for the direction. He was like, I get this guy. What if they're listening right now in a single tear? Well. If they never were heard of ever again, because well, we would, just cause we would we didn't know hear that. of them. That's true. We were still using AOL. That's true. We Maybe they. I don't know, but I will say that, like, you know, you get locked if you choose a name, which you have to. You have to choose a name if you're a band, and then you're young. You don't know anything. It's like choosing an AOL email address. Right. You're like, I'm, you know, I'm Dragon Lover eight five six. Now you're that forever. Right. Now you're twenty two. You're like, I can't. I can't. I'm be, trying to get a job. Can't be Dragon Lover. What am I doing? <laughs> I'm <Man>. a lawyer. <laughs> you imagine Is Dragon commer- Lawyer 856 available? <laughs> okay. Anyway. He has a commercial. He's like, we care about getting what you deserve. <laughs> That's right. Go to <laughs> Dragon Lover. <laughs> We're going to get the money for you, okay? The best lawyer suit. in the state. He's got a suit on. I've got over... Three billion dollars for my clients. Just go to <laughs> dragonlover eight five six dot com. <sighs> That's funny. Okay, so so I've done I've done shows with artists like this though, where they like I've done shows with Big Daddy Weave. Uh, they're a, a generational like you know right. legacy Christian band. They've been doing it for twenty plus years, thirty years, 
and hit upon hit upon hit. They're great guys. But he even says in his show, he was like, yeah, when you're choosing your band name, don't get cheeky with it. Because <laughs> he was just a big guy. Right. And that was his name. He's Mike Weaver. Yeah. So they called him Big Daddy Weave. And forever. And so they were like, we should name it after you. Like, Big Daddy Weave. It's a cool. Yeah. Nobody knew. Right. What it meant. It's just Big Daddy Weave. Yeah. So. That's what it he is. He goes, that was a mistake. That was a miscalculation <laughs> on my part. But now what do you do? You can't pivot. You know, it could have been the thing that was apart. Maybe that was, well, somebody in a suit signed off on it and was like, this is it. And he was, maybe he even tried to, I've got these five other names. I've got Arkeaton. No, no, no. I've got, no, no, no. <laughs> I got Arkeaton. Big Daddy Weave is the one. <laughs> yeah, I've even heard Hootie and, the, Hootie and the Blowfish talk about that. Yeah. Because now Darius Rucker forever is called Hootie because people imagine you're the lead singer. You must be Hootie. Right. He was like, stop calling me Hootie. I'm going to yeah. punch a wall. He's probably punched walls. I don't know. I think Darius Rucker's feeling pretty good. Now, but um, there was a time... Like he still in goes on stage and performs Hootie songs. Yes, but there was a time in between Hootie becoming like this cultural, like you were, you were uncool if you did like them, to his country success where it was like, he's caught in the middle of like, oh, you're that Hootie guy. Yeah. It was not so great to be Darius Rucker. I don't know. You I don't think? think? Would you not trade with Darius Rucker right now? Something I used to always say when that song would come on the, oh, I want to be with you. He always added the second note, you. And, I, and I'd listen to that for a second. And I'd go, man, that guy really likes you. Who? My wife would never laugh. I only want to be at you. I only want to be with you. Who? He really, <laughs> that guy really likes you. Yeah, he does. Uh, if you're listening, Darius, we love you. Yeah. But yeah, even he would say, I got a little cheeky. Yeah. Hootie and the Blowfish. Well, you got to be careful when you start out. If you remember... We were talking about this the other day, just me and you in private. But I had written a bunch of songs at the mm. time. Yeah. And there was another producer that we were working with. Oh, bit. right, right, right. And You he, never want to name these people. I really want to name Johnny them. Johnny wants to name them. He just calls them. I name out. and shame, buddy. And I was just like, we were talking. And he was like, man, you remember? Was he the guy that said, I think he was the guy. And talk about like puffing up my head with hubris. Yeah. Like he was like, no, you, Johnny, you're the talent. Yeah. Uh, and he had everything for everybody in the band, but he called me the meal ticket. You're the meal ticket. I was the talent. Yeah, because I'm the writer, and you're the you know. Yeah. Here's the deal. I wasn't good at and writing he, he songs. And he said he he was trying to get us to because we were like so all for one, one for all in our band. Yeah. And we had pieces that were a little mercurial at times. Yeah. You know, because we would have our little squabbles like bands do. And he was like, "Look, bass players and drummers are a dime a dozen." That's right. He was just talking to me, and he was trying to like he was trying to divide us, us. Yeah. And we were like, "No, we're." We don't. I think we, we stood on a desk and started quoting, oh, Captain. We did. My Captain. This act shall not stand, sir. <laughs> and then, yeah. Two loyalists. You we just really don't, were. You don't do that to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the meal, but he, I remember him saying, oh, look, you're the meal ticket. Yeah. And you got a real gift for writing music. John, he was wrong. No, he knew. No, he, he saw something. Oh, I'm sure he's, yeah, anyway. I'm not going to smirch him. I don't know where he is today or what he's doing. Okay. He was like, look. Why don't you just take your songs? I like to read some of them and like just put them all on this these pieces. You of go. Paper. Well, I can just send you. Yeah. He's no, like, no, 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 no. Uh, print them out on this. Print. And then we looked at it, and it <laughs> it was uh, wasn't it his letterhead? It had his letterhead. Just put it here with this his letterhead. label. And I looked at him. Were you in the room? Yes. And I said, Wait a second. So if I put this on these pieces of paper with your letterhead, yeah. does that mean I'm publishing my music with you? And yeah. he was like, Well. He got a little bit indignant, like, 
I think he even said something like, why do you guys always ask me that? Like, he almost said something like that. It was like the... Uh, why does everyone the, always ask me remember that? Remember the thing, uh, the song, Things That Make You Go, hmm, when the guy, uh, he's with uh, this girl, for the, and then he goes, you know, uh, my heart was going to burst or something, and then he was just like... Uh, asked her was i your first time and, and then her response was why do you guys always ask me that that's that's how that was the feeling yeah of like oh this is like he a does thing this. you do yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah and like i would have been like tricked into yeah him having song rights right which would have made him or me nothing wouldn't it have been great though what if he what if that would have been the thing what if we missed you it? You got tricked, but you only get half of it, but it would have been half of a million dollars. Oh, my gosh. That's half a million And right now, I got, I got half of zero dollars. Actually, I think we're probably still in the hole on the band, if I'm Re- guessing. Recoupment. If we went back in time. We're in recoupment. Remember the time that all the stuff got stolen out of our van down at your house, mm-hmm. and it was the best thing that ever happened to us? We were able to record a project because of that. Yeah. Off of the insurance uh, payout. And get yeah. all new equipment. Yeah. That was awesome. So thank you. The darkest moment, because we what happened was we had just done a weekend of shows, and we parked the we backed the trailer under my carport in my dumb house, which was in a it wasn't an okay hey, neighborhood. Like, it wasn't I in a like great neighborhood. Your house. Yeah, so we just park it, and then we're like exhausted. So I was like, I'll unload it tomorrow. Yeah, we have a lock, a padlock that goes on it, on the hitch itself. That'll protect you from honest people. Yeah. A padlock cannot protect you from... Well, no, because people own... They literally sell they, bolt they, cutters... Right next to the locks. At the store, yeah. Right. So, I get up Monday, go down, and I'm walking around. I think I was mowing. And I was like, huh, where's the... And I, and we loaned that trailer <laughs> out to a million people. Like, like Agape, the ministry that my family ran. Right. They use that trailer a lot. It's like, oh, somebody came in. So, I call them. Hey, uh, you don't have the... No? And then I started realizing... We have been like it was. The, I think it was like the first time crime had been committed against me. Yeah, and it's like you. I had this Beaver Cleaver view of the world, my dumb yeah. Mayberry mindset. Like what, somebody did wrong to me. Yeah, all I did was gift wrap thousands of dollars in musical instruments and put it in my driveway for them. Why would they do this? Yeah, and they see us unloading it. So all you had to do was case our. Anyway, the trailer was gone, and then we we spent. I spent weeks and weeks trying to find it all. Yeah. You know, like to find someone who's listing it on eBay or whatever. Could never find it. And then uh, we found out that my homeowner's insurance covered yeah. covered it because it was on our property. And we had to just write down what was in it, best of our ability. And they gave us like a 75% value of that because they depreciate it. And we ended up with like 10 grand or something. Yeah. And we took that 10 grand to Travis Wyrick who was a well-known producer in Knoxville, who had done work with Disciple and Pillar and P.O.D. And uh, he produced our last, that was our last project. That was our big, like, swing. Yeah. We're going to give this guy some money. Still proud of that project. Yeah. And we're going to give him some money, and he's going to, but we would never have done, we had we didn't have the money to do that. We were just doing gigs with our, yeah, Mate, but. For pizza and so, $100. So what the devil meant for bad, John. Mm. Uh, the Lord meant for a, completely anonymous indie to project be clear, the devil still got to keep all the other equipment well we're assuming so, the devil stole it right that's our best guess i we're not we don't detectives know. no we don't really i didn't know. have cameras up could you even see the devil if he came to steal your trailer it'd be a weird to like sit down with like a one of those caricature not <laughs> could caricature you just, could you describe him sir? It'd be weird if it was a caricature artist that's doing the, <laughs> you know, what are those called hey, that they draw your, this 
Yeah. He's just, he's just I don't artist. think his head was that big. <laughs> You're like, this, hey, are you trying to tell me my job? You just get mad. <laughs> like even in the, uh, the court hearing, the, those people should be caricature artists. It's like, I think the one I saw the other day, sorry, I'm not getting political at all, but Jimmy Fallon showed it. I think it was real. Yeah. It looked like the caricature of Trump in his indictment they had done. I mean, it looked. It was not a good rendering. No, it looked like, again, someone did it on a. Yeah. Uh, somewhere at Coney Island or something like walking oh down. Yeah. So, but sorry, no offense to that guy. Or have, Coney Island. Right. No. Coney Island. We may have great. listeners there. So, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's another place that sounds like it'd be amazing. I live on Coney Island. It's like, you live in an abandoned amusement park? Like, Coney Island is just a park, right? It's not a real. You should. That's Coney... correct. I believe. Coney Island was like a. Isn't it an island? Maybe. Where the park resides? I don't know. Oh, gosh. There's no way to know. You mean geographically? This really is offensive to people who live in New York. You're like, right. I should know more about New York. I'm a Tennessee boy. What do you want from what me? What do we know? We could look it up. No. I looked up the etymology of pulpit. That but was... That, that was in the moment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This so... moment's already passed. Some might say we've, t- we've, we've spent so much time on it now. Yeah. But that is, I believe, the origination of corn dogs was around. They may have been in the world. But Coney's Fair. were a hot dog, yeah, for sure, because they had Sonic still has that. I feel like Sonic missed an opportunity when they went. to Remember, they had the little mini dogs a mm-hmm. while back mm-hmm. when they didn't call those Shetland Coney's. <laughs> I was so upset. I think I punched a wall. <laughs> they were like new mini dogs. I was like, Are oh you kidding gosh, me, guys? You have a Coney. You have a foot long Coney, and now Shetland- you have a. New- Mini dog, get out of here! No wonder they failed. Yeah, did they fail? Yeah, no, you don't see those anymore. Crystal had them for a while too. The chili pups, remember the little pups? Someone out there works for Sonic in the marketing department. You can bring it back for a small fee. I want, I want a nickel on every Shetland Coney sold. I was going to say, as a podcast. Not just you. Oh, you wanted to... Like, I want to get in... Because why? Because we're rolling we're tape when I said it? I was com- in the room when you said it! You're using my computer to record? This is very Nashville of you. <laughs> Write a word, <laughs> get a third. I need you to put this idea on this piece of paper. So Nashville has a saying, songwriters have a saying, if you're... Let's, this is why there's tons of songwriter rounds. It's kind of a great thing because you can get a, a... You know, it's great. The creative process sometimes needs more than one person. I get it. But then there's this weird manipulative side of it, too. And the famous saying is, write a word, get a third. Meaning if you wrote one word, uh-huh. you get a third of the publishing on yeah. a song. So being, putting yourself in the room is sometimes valued very highly in Nashville because of oh, yeah. write a word, get a third. So I think that's what you just tried to do. <laughs> You're like, I was near you when you said Shetland Coney. <sighs> I said the thing that made you think of it and reminded you. Wow. So I should get your intellectual property. And to you, I say, no. I think it only makes sense to me, Johnny. Yeah. Only makes sense to me. Um, hey, I forgot to ask you, and then we'll get into uh, talk about then, but how did uh, Easter go? Because I wasn't here. I was out of town. How did how did you feel? I, I, you Easter, got to preach, and it was... Uh, Easter was great. Did y'all do an egg hunt for the kids? We did an egg hunt for the did adults. drop them from um, uh, helicopters and stuff? Did we go all out this year? Laser lights? And- just, I, I, when I got here early, Bailey, our children's director had these huge bags and he was out at like seven o'clock and it was like just so someone the, in a so field. So the Easter bunny didn't hide these? Oh, sorry. I hope our younger listeners are not listening. Um, we don't know that Bailey, I've never seen him in the same room together. Well, that is true. That is true. Maybe we just give it. It is weird to think of the Easter bunny having a big trash bag full of eggs. 
Like it's very unsophisticated of him. <laughs> or her. Or her. Never... But yeah, it was great. We had a great Easter. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a, a good day. I mean, the, the, the band, the worship time was amazing, I thought. And we had some great videos. There was this video before I preached um, that we had previewed. And I hadn't seen it in like a week and a half or so since we had previewed it. Actually, yeah. even longer than that. And it's super epic. It's like, this is Jesus. Right. Uh, you know. That was it. Living. <laughs> You're like, man, that got me. It put a lump in my throat. It's like all this stuff, basically like, you know, you know, living in poverty, nowhere like this is Jesus, mistreated, oppressed, marginalized, this is Jesus. Like it goes through yeah. all the stuff, you know, uh, betrayed by his friends. And I mean, it just builds and builds. And like I had thought about opening my little TED Talk part of the sermon because I was doing the actual Easter resurrection talk. Yeah. And Andrew was doing the communion talk. Okay. And um, I was thought, well, I don't want to just jump into this. So I kind of had this Cadbury egg thing going on in my head a little bit. Oh, boy. And then, <laughs> what do you mean, like an illustration using a Cadbury yeah, egg? Well, just kind of like Laura has a tradition where... So you want to come out of the epic This Is Jesus well, that's the video. Point. I like, forgot that video. Hey, guys, candy's kind of like the Lord, isn't it? <laughs> that's your... That's exactly why I didn't do it. Because like, Laura has this thing as a once a year. Taste and see, everybody. <laughs> but not all at once. That's gross. You don't want to... Yeah, these are rich. Don't pass this around. And this isn't is the Lord rich? Oh, boy. Yeah. It was a real. He owns like, the Cadburys on a thousand hills. <laughs> I couldn't. I just couldn't ever bring myself to get yeah. comfortable with. No, it. No, you made the right decision. And then as soon as that video, I was like, "God, this is." I mean, we're it, people. People applauded the yeah. video. Yeah, because it was so epic. And I was yeah. like, "Well, I can't be like, hey guys, how about peeps?" You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm-mm. I just couldn't do it. No. So I just jumped right in, man. I okay. Just, I just went for it. All so, right. um, so you just so that so you're saying that that may that may appear in another sermon. Cadbury that illustration. Can, we hold Cadbury for next year. <laughs> you put it on the bench for now. You're like, hey, uh, I'm going to save you uh, for later. I like, you like to save your Cadbury eggs. They don't keep, though. Um, Laura has one a year. Has, I don't believe it. No, she does. One ceremonial. One ceremonial. <laughs> she says an incantation. <laughs> it's just real. It's real like yeah. um, they're so rich. Yeah. It's too much. We've talked it's about that too before. too much. Yeah. Like you can't. You have two diabetes. Right. One, you're on the, you're borderline. Now, they have many Cadbury eggs now. They have the stuff in them? Yeah. I've seen the ones that are like malted milk. They're like whoppers. I had, I had a mini. I had yeah. one mini. Okay. So, and it was still rich. It was, cool. it was one of those like, man, this is a lot, but I did it, to be clear. That's not a lot. The it's, little one, what are you, a child? <laughs> Eat a full egg like a human. Oh, that's funny. I yeah. don't know. But well, Easter was great. Well, I'm glad you shelved your... It is fun to pivot like that. People ask me all the time if I do that during my shows. Like, did you know exactly what you're going to say? I go, no, I've got a couple hours of things. Yeah. And I usually know a general direction. And then, like, when the crowd is giving me feedback, I'm pivoting yeah. in my head. I've learned to do that. And sometimes that's the best decision. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you need to go up there and, like, plow through because you're trying to get through the new stuff. Right. And if you stay... And like, I'm going to give you what I know will work. Well, you never grow. So sometimes right. I have a few shows in a row where I'm like, oh, man, I should have been working on the new, even though they didn't know they wanted it, you know? Yeah. But uh, I definitely understand, like, when a pastor goes, well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pivot away from that because the crowd's oh. like, you see all the arm folding? Or you see, yeah. or like you said, a video gets a big reaction. You're like, I can't come out of that into something light. Right. It feels flippant. Yeah, following Reggie when we spoke at that festival was hard for that reason. Reggie yeah. has such a 
people have a, such a just euphorically visceral reaction to him in a mm-hmm. good way. Like, I just, um, they're, they're emotional. They're, like, he can stand up there and say yeah. anything. And then you get up and they're like, oh, another middle-aged white dude. Right. Now, Great. he's going to talk about racism. Here's the, here's the scholar. Right. It's real. Because he didn't even say that. Like, John and I wrote this book, you know, and, and he he will self-deprecate. Yeah. And John's a smart one. I'm yeah, the, John. Yeah. You know, he's he's the book guy. You know, and I'm the guy that you all want to hear from. Exactly. Yeah, you know, he like, doesn't yeah, say it. He's making, he's like, now this nerd's gonna come up in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just please, for my sake, please respect him <laughs> for just a Reggie. minute, and I'll come back at the end. I can't believe Reggie said all that. I can't believe it. We should have Reggie back on. And uh, Reggie's uh, Reggie's a great guest too because he he's so positive. Yeah, like I I'm so. Uh, and envious of his positivity. And, uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. He, I like being around people like that. He's a UT fan, and, like, heading into every, I'll text him before big games. Yeah. Whatever, like, hey, he'll be like, bro, we got this. There's, I'm like, Reggie, do you not remember what happened the last 20 years? Like, yeah. again, I, he's like, it doesn't matter. You've got to have And a then when we memory. lose, he doesn't say anything. He's yeah, it's like, weird. Like, somebody tweeted that the other day, and it made me think. I never heard it put quite this way. They said, uh, when you teach like your son or your grandson to love a sports team you're inflicting pain on them future pain because <laughs> they're going to be upset a lot of their life they're going to invest time and energy right. into something that can't can't at all it cannot meet your expectations 100 percent of the time most of the time they're going to be really bad yeah because they're going to be one champion yeah so like and if like, if you're a padre if you're a san diego padres fan you're just mad all the time because they've not been relevant for so long. John, uh, our friend... Maybe the Padres are good now. I can't remember. Our friend uh, John Carey and I, we used to call that people in church. When we were trying to pull and reframe and relaunch things, yeah. it's always a constant cycle, you know? We call them Cubs fans. Yeah. For that reason. Like, even when something went good, it was always right. like, yeah, but you know, these right. these new visitors aren't going to stay. It was just like... They have PTSD well, from... I, I was in a community group and it didn't work out. It was always something, you know, it was like, man, things are going well. Can we not, yeah. you know? But you just... Even the Cubs fans, you know that year they won. What year was that? It's been 2016, a while. yeah. But you know, because I've been there, that there's no way they relaxed until literally... It doesn't matter if they were up oh, by five. Oh, no, they were ready like, for it to fall apart. It's all going to fall apart and we could have... Two outs in the ninth inning and up by five. No, no. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, we were going to lose this game, you know. Um, but so, we're not. We're not. We're not. Hey, I, I did want to, uh, it's pretty exciting uh, okay. news. And, and it will take us for a second away from, we'll come back to talk about them. But just, this is actually in the lifetime of recording, they just announced this, uh, that they just voted to reinstate the state representative, uh, Justin Pearson from Memphis. Okay, so both now have been so reinstated. Justin Jones from Nashville and Justin Pearson from Memphis have both been reinstated. Yeah, and we said that a little bit last week at the beginning because we were off for a week. Uh, yeah, great story for another time, but um, a lot of interesting things in Nashville, you know, to talk about. Yeah, and I think no matter what party you are, uh, like I always say, I consider myself a centrist, but I hate extremes on both parties, and I hate when I see like. When you see what we saw there, which is like, we've got a majority so we can do this thing. We can pull this stunt and right. say, you're out of order. And we can we can make this happen and get away with it. Like, no no matter how you vote, you shouldn't let something like that stand. Because it, it's going to come back to bite us all. Like, if you let somebody be like, I didn't like the way you shouted. You're out of order. So now I can take your job. Like, right. 
that's fascism. That's that's we nobody should want that. No, and uh, and that's something I wanted to say to a lot of people's like, hey, regardless of where you are, you should be alarmed by this because, yeah. like, it's it's historically rare. Only two in the yeah. history of the Tennessee State Legislature had ever been actually voted out, and the only reason they could is because again they had a supermajority, right? Um, which is the danger. This is why if you're going to have a two-party political system, you actually need there to be tension between the two sides because this was some, this was the case of someone having enough power to take out a political enemy. Right, be punitive. Instead of just disagreeing or let there be the tension or letting their vote go a different yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, it was, and there was an out, there's been an outcry on a, on a large, large level, both nationally and locally. And I think between – out of people from both parties or yeah. from all parties – um, yeah, hopefully this will start a good conversation about like whether or not like all these bad faith arguments and seeing the worst in political enemies is helping us or hurting us because now we're seeing like people acting out on this in weird ways and yeah. and then you got to be okay with it if it's your tribe that did it even though you're not okay with it your value system may go why would they just yeah. remove the guy but because it was your side you got to be like yeah but they were out of order. And you don't really believe that, but now you're so entrenched when what we should do is stand up and go, no, our democracy is slipping away if we let this kind of stuff stand, Yeah, and no matter I, how we vote. I mean, even if, and again, there's a lot of other, other, other nuances and angles you know, to this um, story because the two young men, one was the youngest in the legislature, uh, but these are two young black leaders, mm-hmm. uh, and – there was a third who had protested, and and she was a white woman, and and she made it. She kept her seat by one vote, and they asked her after the fact, Gloria Johnson. They asked her, um, "Why do you think you kept yours?" And she said, "I I think it may have to do with the color of my skin," and I think that that's just a conversation about. I doubt that if you walked up to the to the men and women who'd voted, it asked them, "Are you throwing these guys out because they're black?" Right. They would have all said no, and they would have believed that, I think, for the most part. Yeah. I think that's why there's such an, a need for an understanding of systemic racism. Like, you don't understand that, that possibly this wasn't about your personal viewpoint of their race, but your policies or your willingness to, make, to take action happen to affect, <laughs> whether yeah. you realize it or not, in ways you may not get because they're baked into a larger historical legacy-based system. They happen to affect the two young black men in a different way mm-hmm. than they affected even someone else who was also against your viewpoint. Yeah. In a well, I mean, party. even when you think about, like, Marjorie Taylor Greene shouting, heckling during the State of the Union, I hated that that happened because I feel like that shows no decorum. But if they said, we're going to remove you from your job because of that, I would have not wanted that. Right. I think that's, I think you got to figure out how do we keep order, but don't just go around punishing our political enemies because of like yeah, you, rules you, of order. You can be removed from, again, you can be censured, you can be removed from committee assignments. There's all kinds yeah. of other things that are within the political system. But it's the thing we, things we look the other way with. Pelosi tore up the speech of Trump. I hated that. I thought it was a bad look. Yeah. I, I thought it was. I thought it was. It showed no class. She knows right. she's on camera. It was a bad move, right? Uh, and I just think like I want more civility in politics, but that was an obvious like that was an obvious ploy. That whole thing of like just removing those guys, being like we've got the supermajority, we can get away with this, and then the people of Tennessee held them accountable. They showed up and said no, and now 
it's being it's being undone. Well, the scary thing is again, it was it's been the the Nashville City Council, and I believe this was um, um, Shelby County mm-hmm. because they get to put basically a temporary representative back in their place until an election can be held, and so they just put these two guys back in place. It's not like the state right. legislature has reversed their. You know they're 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 still where they are. Right, the votes are still the same. But it's just for now, these guys get to come back because they're reappointed by their localities. And right now in Nashville, there's a war between through the supermajority Republican-led state legislature and the city of Nashville, specifically over the city of Nashville did not want to host the RNC and talk about punitive. Like the state legislature is trying to cut. It's like I think it's 32 members of this, of the, and they're elected. Yeah of the city council, they're trying to cut the number of seats they have in like half. Basically, like we're going to cut your whole thing down, which my problem, again, with removing these guys or trying to cut a council out of reaction, not because you're like, hey, guys, we're looking at the representation and you're overrepresented. You, you have overrepresentation. Or whatever. Yeah. That'd be one thing to have a study about it, but you're doing it out of, like you said, something punitive, reactive. The problem with doing that is you actually – are denying the voices of people who elected those officials. Right. Like, whether you agree with what they're saying or not, and I think there's one thing I want to say, and I'll be done with this, that we've forgotten this in American politics, that you, when you're elected, you represent your full constituency, mm-hmm. not just those who elected you. Right. If, generally, if you hear a president elected, they almost always say that after right. some bitter campaign. They'll yeah. say, hey, listen, now that I'm elected, I represent all of you and right. all even of if, your interests. Even if you didn't vote for him. I remember George Bush said that, Junior, uh, George W. He said, uh, even the ones who didn't vote for me, I hope to earn your trust. Yeah. I thought that's classy. That's Look, what you should say. He's their president now. Right. And I think that we're, we're losing that. Now it's kind of like I have to only be loyal and only right. carry out the wishes of those who put me in office yeah. as voters. When the that's real, cronyism. That's fascism. The oath right. is to represent now all the people who live within yeah. the geographical location that you, you represent. So whether you agree with their viewpoints or not, you actually are still their representative. Right. And you have to. But now it's about like we're, we're, we're cheering for laundry. Yeah. It's like the whole old Seinfeld bit about like we're cheering. The same thing with the sports teams. I'm going to cheer for the Packers no matter what. Yeah. I'm just rooting for that laundry. And if it's red or blue. In this country now, it's like, I've got to just put up with whatever horrible thing, no matter if it goes against my core values, I've got to just be in the tank for those people. And I just don't buy it, man. I don't no. buy it. So, No. And, I'm glad, and, hopefully, hopefully it's going to be a wrong that's righted, because I feel like the precedent that it sets of just like going after people in committees and removing people for like trumped up charges, it's going to go on if we didn't stop it here. I'm glad that the city stood up. And protested this. Right. Lots of, lots of people did. And again, our just hearts are still broken for the events that led uh, to this with, with the horrible loss of life at the Covenant School. Yeah. And um, the governor actually signed some legislation this morning uh, beginning right. to, to have some tougher um, gun laws, which was a big deal as a Republican governor with a Republican led. Right. He'll about. get heat for it. Um, you know, I know former governor Phil Bredesen, Democrat, two term, and former governor Bill Haslam, Republican, two term. Uh, co-authored an article in the Tennessean basically talking about the need for both sides to acknowledge that there is a problem and be willing to find one thing. It's what James Baker, uh, who who was the Secretary of State in Reagan, 
you know, would say when we have two sides that just can't find a middle at all, you got to find one thing they could both agree upon, just one yeah. of the smallest of things. And so there are calls right now, bipartisan calls or just reasonable calls because there, there is a, there's danger. And, and these things are, are, you know, unconscionable what is happening in our nation. There's another shooting in Louisville, you know, since then. Right. Um, and to say, hey, I mean, we're not making a stand right now and having that conversation on guns or other things, but, but there has to be some sort of open dialogue between those who are who have the power to enact change or at least to be able to listen to one another. I think that's just the key to it, and, and certainly what our nation, for all of its faults, that is built into our systems. That there's supposed to be a way that, that two sides can hear each other when they disagree. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, all right, you know, Johnny, that's a lot of what's going on right now. <sighs> yeah. But, you know, sometimes we'd like to look back. Way and, back. And, and take a look at what happened in, in yesteryear. In the days of yore. It's a segment we like to call Talk About Then. April 12th, John, 1994. Mm-hmm. The first major computer spam. <sighs> so this is a hallmark moment. Did they name it spam, I wonder? I don't know. Let, let, me, let me read along. Uh, Lawrence Cantor and Martha Siegel, a husband and wife team of lawyers, began advertising immigration law services using bulk Usenet postings. This is the pre-internet, wow. the early internet. This has become known as the green card spam after the subject line of the postings, green card lottery, final one, question mark. They sent their advertisement <laughs> to over 5,500 Usenet discussion groups, and instead of cross-posting, a single copy of the message to multiple groups so a reader would only see it once. They posted it as a separate posting in each news group so a reader would see it in each group they read. So they, they kind of got ahead of, this is how we make it, like just wow. disseminate and go crazy. And uh, let's see, uh, they posted another advertisement to 1,000 news groups the following June 1994. They claimed to have gained 1,000 new clients and made between 100,000 and 200,000 off the ads. Uh, in 1997, Cantor was disbarred in part for alleged illegal advertising practices. Wow. So, yeah, so he kind of was one of the first grifters using the Internet to, like, just make something out of nothing. Because basically he's trying to create a panic of, are they giving out the last green cards? Call my office and see if you can be in the lucky lottery. Right. So people who are trying to get their immigration status, they thought, this is it. I got to climb through this. that That happens to our computers now. A million times a day, and it feels like that's unregulated. But did he open the floodgates? Is spam an acronym? Maybe. And did has spam ever sued for now the negative? Think about it. That's they you should. want to block spam, and someone's like, "Hello, we Hello, have a whole company. It's delicious. Yeah, have you? Why would you want to block it? it? Fried it in a it, pan. It blocks you <laughs> if you're honest with yourself. That's a colon joke. Hello, John, the first U.S. public official. Uh, in space, April 12th, 1985. Did not know this. Senator, U.S. Senator Jake Garn from Utah, Republican of Utah, launched into space aboard the space shuttle Discovery as a member of its seven-man crew. Did you know this? I did We're launching senators into space? Wow. During his space flight, he was the subject of medical experiments on space motion sickness. He experienced such severe space sickness, this is the best part of the story, that a scale for space sickness was jokingly based on him with one garn <laughs> equal to the highest possible level of space sickness. One garn. One garn. Wow. So basically, if you go, this guy's half, he's a .5 he's, garn. He's halfway to a garn over here. 
<laughs> You're just a little green around the gills. I would love to have my name associated with something like that. Wouldn't it be great? Yeah. If you threw up so much, they named Vomit after you. <laughs> there may be a guy out there. Space Vomit. Somewhere, Sir Arthur Vomit. Uh, also on this mission, astronauts tested the physics of many children's toys in space, beginning the International Toys in Space Project, which, again, I did not know was a thing. So they just took toys up there. And played with them? To see the, I don't know, how Legos are affected. Meanwhile, this what? guy's over here throwing up into a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> He's three quarters to a garn. All right. Uh, three sheets to the garn. Three sheets to the garn. Three garns to the wind. Okay, the polio vaccine. Garn with the wind. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, you had it. I'm sorry. Oh, man. We were so close. So close. Uh, we'll edit all this out. The polio vaccine, 1955. Uh-huh. It's a pretty big one, right? Yeah. Uh, there's some things I did not know about it, though. Jonas Salk, we know that, reports the success of the nationwide test of his polio vaccines uh, on this week in 1955. He receives a license by the National Institutes for Health uh, for its general use. Before the vaccine, there were about 15,000 cases of paralysis and 1,900 deaths annually from polio in the U.S. Wow. So it was a huge yeah. problem. Uh, Salk chose – this is the part I did not know. He chose not to patent the vaccine in order to maximize its distribution. When asked who owned the patent, Salk, Salk replied, well, the people, I would say. There is no patent. Could you patent the sun? Uh, which we've probably tried since then. <laughs> probably, <laughs> what if we could somehow? Somehow. Uh, it's estimated the patent would have been worth billions had it been patented. Oh, sure. So he kind of was like, this is back when like he was looking to humanity like, for real. Yeah, someone had and altruism. still probably, you know, some people found a way. This is a, you know, even then you had the conspiracy people. I heard they put it on a sugar cube. It was a drops on a sugar cube. Is that right? To get kids to take it? I thought it was a shot that left a scar because lots of people I know have polio shot vaccine scars. I'm going to look it up because I swear yeah. I thought I remembered vaccines on a. On a sugar cube, people. Yeah, people, like my parents' generation, they often have a scar, a little scar on their arm. I thought that was a TB. Vaccine. Was that polio? Mm-hmm. Okay, hold on. Pretty certain. How was polio vaccine administered? Given by a shot in the leg or arm, depending on the patient's age. Oral polio vaccine is used in other countries. CDC recommends that children get four doses. Uh, so you know, I want to say, up. Uh, it was a. Uh, Sabins, this says Sabins vaccine was live attenuated using the virus in weakened form and could be given orally as drops or on a sugar cube. So we're both right. We're both right. So Man, isn't that the glorious? That's what outcome. you hope for. That's what you hope for. Oh my gosh! None of us had to back down. Uh, I love it. I was right. You were right. Uh. Everywhere, right, right. <laughs> but I just think that was for kids too, because it was like maybe it was the shot. They couldn't tolerate it as well, and maybe the... I mean, kids don't tolerate shots as well in general. I can always tolerate a sugar cube. Hello. Any day. I had that thought the other day. Remember I was saying, like, if someone gave me a sugar pill and some double blind... Yeah. Like, what if it spikes your blood sugar? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, what if it's a blood sugar medicine? Right. What do they use for the placebo then? he's just having a sugar pill. It's like, uh... Uh, hello. I always thought that when you... Like, Flonase, when my wife was on Flonase for a while, and she goes, uh... Um, it's and it said on the bottle it said it smells like roses I was like what if that's what's triggering your allergies <laughs> so you squirt the stuff in your eyes you're like son of a gun <laughs> you know you just can't get away from it thanks <laughs> Flonase not a sponsor not a sponsor uh, alright John the last one right. uh, the first US truancy law mm. now I want to ask you this John right. were you a truant person you loved school you're one of those kids that like you couldn't wait to get to school so I already know the answer to this I went. It was I your finest hour. I don't. I, no, we weren't late for school. 
I don't mean late. You mean missing. Missing. Uh, I would skip school. Did you, did, you fake out, did you fake out sick? No, but mom and dad, especially by me, the third, dad was always at work, you know, but mom would be like, hey, you know what? I mean, occasionally she'd be like, if I had great good grades and everything's fine, I've missed a bunch of days. It's I'll just nice take day. off and yeah, go to Opryland? Just go get ice cream and do oh, whatever. Whoa. You know what I'm saying? So sugar yeah. pills, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the first truancy law was enacted April 12th, 1853. Wow, this is This is interesting, though. New York State enacts a $50 fine for parents of children between the ages of 5 and 15 who miss school. So they were like fed up because... $50 in 1853. Do you know what that... They have the today's equivalent. Uh, I'm going to call that $650. $1,842.31. So this is like a mortgage payment. Wow. For a nice home. For your kid missing school. For your kid. Well, I mean, chronically missing school to be truant. (laughs) Maybe. They used to have truancy officers. Yeah. I'd hear about these people. Can you imagine that being your job? You're just a, hey, uh, hey, uh, just want to do a quick, uh, the movie? Exactly. How's your ice cream? He shows up. He shows up at Opryland. <laughs> you have to, <coughs> you have to fake a cough. <laughs> you have to pull it together. You throw all the candy down right behind you. They put the white makeup on so you put, look more pale and gaunt. Oh, you better gosh. sell. If you see that truancy officer, you better. If he yeah. flashes that badge, you better pass out right now in this line. <laughs> I don't know. There's a clinic over there by the arcade. It was my last wish to ride the tilt a whirl. <laughs> it's all I wanted. Are you Jesus? Like you just pretend to see. <laughs> That's great. I don't know. I, I missed a lot of school. I was a very like uh, sensitive soul, and school was hard, hard on me. And so I, I anytime, anytime I could just be like, I don't feel good. My mom, she wanted me home with her. I was such a mama's boy, so she would just buy in. I mean, I think I'm, I think one school year I missed like forty days. Wow. Yeah, over a month of school. I you missed. were truant. I was a. Tr- they could have come and got us. Yeah. That at that point, I don't even know. Like for real, I bet there's some districts that could take your kid away. If you let them miss that much school and you can't like have a provable illness. Mom, I was very much at risk. I don't think you I could, could have been a ward of the state. <laughs> I don't think they could. I don't think you You're could. You're like, Johnny, the state did not want you. <laughs> the state's like, like, you can keep him. He's a sickie. Yeah, look at him here. <sighs> I try to fake cough. You ever try to fake cough and it's just real dry and you know it's a fake cough? Yeah. Like I needed more. I had nothing. Have you ever fake cough so much that it caused a real cough? That's won't that preach? preach, guys. Some of y'all been out there. Some of y'all, it's like mom used to always say, "Don't, don't cry. cross your eyes; they get stuck that way." Don't be the boy who cried cough, because mm. one day the actual cough comes a running, and then you're no one believes you because you you you're getting your vaccine. It's got to be your cough. <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> We, we hope that you've not been truant, listener. We hope that you've not missed 30 days in a row of our fine show. Yeah, we do apologize for missing last week, but we are back. And here's the deal. Even if you missed last week, what could you have done? You could have gone back and listened to a bunch of other episodes. But so if you many. wanted to do that, Johnny, where would they even go? Talkaboutthatpodcast.com. We've already covered this. All the archived episodes are there. Get off our okay. back about it. Yeah. I don't know how many times we have to say it. It's like we have to say it every episode, especially at this part. Yeah. When are people just going to understand? John and I missed last week because we were on a long journey together, and yeah. we're going to share more about that journey as allowed. We're it, literally we're kind of it's kind of a secret. We are legally not allowed. It's a delicious secret. Yeah, but we will have news about that one way or another. No matter we don't know how it's going to go, but even if it goes yeah. bad, 
it'll be a great story, and we'll have that story. We can tell you, it's a crazy story. It is crazy. Yeah. But well, I love, I love, I hope that they're just like, what? Let, like, we'll just say that John and I headed out west. Can we yeah. say that? That sounds like we're gold rush. We did go west. Like old speculators. <laughs> Wait, that's no, pirates. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> Prospectors, not speculators. What do speculators do? Uh, a speculator is someone who tries to Same difference, though, make right? money off the stock market. But uh, you could speculate, yes, on land deals. The gold rush is more stuff. of a prospector. Yeah. You could speculate for gold. I mines. speculate that there's gold in them thar hills. Our hills. That makes me a them are hills. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah. Um, also, don't forget that if you'd like to hear this podcast without ads, just become a patron at our website, and uh, you can go it, it, any. There's only two levels, Johnny. Five dollar. The good level. And the great level. <laughs> We'd love Either to way, any, we're good. Any level, yeah. Any level. So yeah, go and check it out uh, at our Patreon link there on our website. Lots of other exciting things that are coming actually down the road. Uh, we're, we're working on it. We were going to have some things, but actually our, our journey took us away a little bit from some of those things for a temporary yeah. season. But uh, stuff's coming up every day, so uh, it's an exciting time to be a part of the family, Johnny. The mm-hmm. Talk about that family of You're not listeners. just listeners to us. No. You're like... The weird uncle that tells us that the earring that we're wearing is going to send us to hell at Thanksgiving. Right. That's the kind of family I feel like they are. Yeah. You're like the cousin. They're a little judgmental, but we tolerate. You're like the fourth cousin we met somewhere, and then we went home and changed the locks just in case you decide to show up. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's... Yes. Yeah. We talk about you in hushed tones. Right. That kind of family. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, thanks for the time you spent with us, though. We'll see you next week on Talk About That. love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.